0: 54 for the win, on the way, it is there, and the Eagles remain unbeaten, 34-31 in overtime as Jake Elliott drills the game winner. Good morning, good evening, whatever time of the day it is that you're listening to this program. Welcome to Philadelphia Eagles Talk with Jeff. And yes, we can all take a collective deep breath as the Eagles, thanks to Mr. Clutch, as I'm going to start calling him, Jake Elliott drills a 54 yarder with all the pressure in the world on him in overtime to lead our beloved Eagles with their first divisional win of the young 2023 season. So the Eagles remain unbeaten at 4-0. and The only other team to, that can say the same thing would be the San Francisco 49ers, As the Dolphins were knocked off, boy, were they ever. I mean, the Bills suddenly are just absolutely pounding teams into the ground. Um, The Commanders responded from that from last week, you know, when the Bills drubbed them in Washington, and then they went out and put a uh, stomping on the Dolphins coming off their 70-point game against the Broncos. So the Bills have got things uh, rolling right now in the right direction. But we're going to talk about the Eagles, of course, because this is Philadelphia Eagles talk with Jeff. And uh, thanks for tuning in. We're going to go through the post game. I got a lot to talk about with this one. A lot. Um, I got a lot of good things to say about this game and my... Positives and some negatives that I wanna talk about as well. There's some guys that uh, you know, uh in the game that uh you know, I've got some question marks to, about to say the least. But the Eagles pull it out in overtime in a game that you know I I don't wanna I don't wanna sound like I'm not giving due credit to the commanders because I think that they really uh played well. I think uh Howell showed a lot today if you're a Commanders fan. Uh you know he, I think he gave he gave you a lot to uh, be proud of. Quite honestly, I mean he's I, I, just, I haven't really watched a lot of him. Um, I think, and I've always said that what I have seen of him was pretty impressive. And now to see a full game of how I thought he he did very well, and I thought just the Commanders in general played a very good game today. Like I I didn't give him as much of a chance. Um as perhaps I should have. I mean, I, I I I don't see the Eagles losing to them this year, but they came close today, I tell you. You know, I mean I, I never really thought this game was in doubt. I never had that feeling. Um until, of course, you know, they they scored in the last play of the game to tie it and go to overtime. And that obviously put the game in doubt. Um, but I really never felt that the Eagles were gonna lose this game. Um, I almost nailed their score, you know, to a T. Actually, I did, if you're talking about just regulation. I predicted that the Eagles would win this game 31 to 16. And the Eagles scored 31 points in regulation. And uh it wasn't enough because <laughs> that last play of the game, you know, Washington scored a touchdown to uh to tie to 31. And so I again that just tells you I did underestimate the uh Washington offense. I had them scoring only, you know, 16 points. And they did have 17 points for a good portion of this game. Um, I think they scored 17 just before halftime. And then they didn't score again, I think, until maybe late in the third quarter. Um, let me just double-check that. I think I think they scored. Yeah, no, actually, they didn't score at all in the third quarter. So they still only had 17 points until the fourth quarter. They scored a couple touchdowns, including the last play of the – regulation Uh, but I almost nailed this score perfectly um, because they had 17 points I guess 16 and then of course they had that uh, they had have to have a touchdown and then they scored another one at the last play of the game regulation so it's pretty pretty much nailed this game uh, except for the fact that I didn't think commanders would put that many points on the Eagles Um, but they did and a lot of that was because of the play of Sam Howell the quarterback was impressive he threw for 290 yards, had a 98 six rating, didn't throw any interceptions, which he did against Buffalo. So, you know, Johnny, our you know in the pregame, our uh, our Commanders um, fan representative, uh, said that you know he's watched Howell's career from college on because he's a Carolina fan, as he mentioned on on the uh, the preview show. So he's seen a lot of, of Howell, And I asked him that pointed question during the pre uh preview show when I had him on. And I said, you know, how is Howell, you know, how does he typically respond to these to a bad game? You know, how what has he shown in the past? And Johnny said that he has shown the ability to forget about it and and rebound nicely. And, and, and he, again, he's seen his entire career in college as well. And that's why we give you this good insight on Philadelphia Eagles Talk with Jeff. I don't know how many other programs did that, even at a national level, that was able to tell you that, you know what, when the chips were down, if Howell did have a bad game in college early in his, you know, or, or early in his uh, Washington career, how has he, he come back from it? Because they did get stopped on last week. And he threw four interceptions. Played a played a bad game and and you know Johnny said that he made a lot of bad throws like they were on him a lot of these interceptions, but he also said that uh, he has responded positively in the the past and has always been able to uh, wash it out and come back and play well and it's exactly what Howell did he looked very good today, um and also you got to credit Washington's offense uh game plan, the enemy and. Uh, because the Eagles pass rush they had an answer for it I mean they he was getting the ball out of there quickly um most of the game because there was a lot of times the Eagles pass rush would have gotten home if he held on the ball long I mean he, he would have had probably been sacked another seven times or whatever uh he still got sacked a few times I think they got I think they got to him like four times maybe um not sure if I have that stat in front of me here if I do find it I'll let you know but um not exactly sure how many sacks the Eagles ended up with let me see if I could find it Nick Morrow will talk about him yeah they had four uh five sacks so they did have five sacks um but it could have been a lot more than that because you know Howell, there there's a lot of plays where he just got the ball off in time and it was mostly on plays where the you know they had a designed a short route um so you know if you're a commander's fan I know these this loss has got to be super frustrating because you know You got a, got a young team with a young quarterback and they went into Philadelphia, uh, an undefeated team and, you know, and played very, very well. I mean, I give the commanders a lot of credit. I did not expect them to make it this close. And there's a lot of factors where I don't think it really should have gone into overtime, but it did regardless. And, uh, and, and a lot of that's because the Commanders, you know, showed up today and they really played well. And so if you're a Commanders fan, uh, even though a loss to the division rival has got to be tough to swallow, uh, they showed a lot. They showed a lot to me, at least. I'll speak for myself. I mean, I I didn't expect them to uh, to make this this type of a game, and they definitely did. They absolutely did. So um, credit to them. But I think the Eagles – uh, I've got some issues with the game, the way they kind of the play calling in certain plays in this game, Brian Robinson, I was just like, again, screaming at the TV, like what the hell you call and just, just bad play calling in certain aspects of this game. And, uh, you know, uh, he's not getting worse. So I guess from that perspective, he, he's not calling as bad a game as he was earlier in the season, but he's still making some, one of the drives, he made two back-to-back calls one was another ridiculous uh, Hertz keeper on second down. And then they ran, I think, Gainwell up the middle on third down. I mean, it was like basically given the drive away. I can't remember exactly what point it was in the game, but just back-to-back, those two were the worst play calls. Um, and I wish I could give you a better a better idea as far as when exactly that was. I think it was the third quarter maybe. Um, but basically just – I don't know. It's just way too conservative and just bad call, play calling. Um, Hurts for the game. We'll talk about him while I was just talking about Howell. Hurts played well, 25-37, uh, of 37, 319 yards, a couple touchdowns. Had 112.3 uh, ratings. So definitely Hurts' best game of the year thus far. Didn't turn the ball over, which is key. Um, And I want to talk about a couple of things before I really get into the uh, positives and negatives. Actually, let me just say this: Fox Television. If I could have punched a hole through my TV and grabbed one of the whoever's the decision maker is at Fox Television who decided to leave the Eagles-Washington game, right at the climax of the game. I mean, Washington had just tied the game on the last play of the game. I mean, to my detriment, I mean, I, I was not happy about that. But I'm just thinking from a national, from an audience perspective, people that, you know, are just casually watching that game, or, of course, Eagles and Commanders fans that are tuned into their, watching their teams play in a huge divisional uh, rivalry. Now, I don't think this happened probably in the local market. I don't think it would. Well, it definitely wouldn't. It would stick with the game in, in Washington, D.C. area, Virginia area, and the Philly area. But outside of that area, the rest of the audience, which I think this game was a huge audience, uh, or huge um, coverage-wise, most of the Northeast, most of the Midwest, I think even parts of the West Coast. I mean, a big demographic of the United States had, was carrying this first game. And once the game went into overtime, literally like minutes after the, not even minutes, I should say seconds, not even a minute, I guess is what I really should say, because it really was less than a minute after the Commanders tied the game to send the game into overtime. The freaking Fox station went to the Cowboys game, the beginning of the Cowboys Patriots game. I could not believe it. I was beside myself. I can't, I don't know who the hell made that decision. That they would pull away from that game, from the audience that was watching that game. You get an exciting finish happening there. Where the commanders rally, fight back, and tie the game at the end. And then they pull away and go to the Cowboys-Patriots kickoff. The kickoff. The very beginning of the game. Uh, Someone needs to be fired. Fired. At Fox. For doing that. And I'm not just saying as an Eagle fan. Obviously, I'm further ticked off because it's my team they pulled away from. But the rest of the audience that was watching that game, you think they want to they give a two craps outside of the Cowboys and Patriots that, to see the opening kickoff of that game? Of the second game when you just had a game that on a final play, the Washington sends the game into overtime? I mean, what are they thinking over there? So, rant over, but that was just unacceptable programming by Fox TV. And whoever did that needs to be fired immediately. All right. I had to to vent. I don't know who else. I'm sure there's a lot of other Eagle fans that can relate to to that. Again, I doubt they did that in Philly area. How could they do that in Philly area? I don't believe they did. Or in the Virginia area for the Commanders fans. But anywhere outside of those local... Areas, that's what they did to the country. They pulled away from the game and went to the Cowboys pregame just before the kickoff. Meanwhile, the Commanders and Eagles are going overtime in a divisional game, not the Patriots and the Cowboys, not even in the same conference. Who cares? Wow, I I was in total disbelief that they did that. So, One of the main reasons why I bring that up is, is you may recall the Washington's opening drive in overtime. They had the that uh, controversial play, which after further review, because I had to go watch it later, because of course I didn't see it live when it was happening, but I heard about it, and that was the play down the sideline, down the field that would have set up Washington uh, right around midfield, where I think even in Eagles territory. Uh, It was a beautiful pass. Again, Sam Howell, nothing but great things to say about his performance. Um, Threw a beautiful sideline pass. I mean, dropped it right in a bucket of McLaren, the Eagle killer, who had another giant game against the Eagles. And it's been a while since he's actually popped off against the Eagles uh, because they kind of contained him last year somewhat. But he just absolutely killed the Eagles again today. And Slay, by the way, who was on him most of the time, was the one who got smoked. I mean, I shouldn't say smoked, but he made some really good catches, too, and in coverage with Slay. It's not like Slay got burnt. I don't want to say that. So I don't mean to – I should take that back. I don't want to say that uh, Slay had a bad game, but McLaren beat him more more often than not today. That's for sure. Um, McLaren, by the way, eight receptions, 86 yards. A lot of those were big receptions. And really that ninth one could have easily been called complete, I think. And I did watch the review. So I'm watching this now because, I, again, I couldn't see it live. Thank you, Fox. So I had to go back and rewatch this play. And I saw all the angles. I saw all the replays. And this, to me, is a call that they were never going to change depending on whatever was called on the field because it was that close. There's one – there was two really looks at that play. One of them show, showed his foot looks like it was being it was out of bounds. And the other one looked like it may have been coming down in bounds. But it was hard to tell because Blankenship's arm was there. And it's almost like – you know, McLaren naturally players don't want to step on other players because they know that obviously they have uh, cleats on and and uh, spikes and obviously, if, you, if he was to step with all of his weight on Blankenship's arm, that would have hurt big time. And I want to—I can't get into McLaren's mind. I'd love to see what his take was on that catch to see what he says or what he said about it. Because um, I really think that had Blankenship's arm not been there, and maybe I'm reading into much, maybe I should see if he even knew that Blankenship's arm was there. A lot of times players just have a feel that they don't want to step on another player. And it might be, and I'm not saying this is exactly what happened because I don't know. Again, I didn't even see what McLaren might have said about this play. But uh, it, it almost was like he felt that he was coming down on his arm, and so then he put more of his weight on his toe versus his heel because his heel was right on Blankenship's arm. And if his weight came down, he could have like really like ruptured muscle and everything else. I mean, those spikes are sharp. So players know that. It's almost like he kind of didn't want to come down with his weight on that play and kind of went to the toes and because he did that, you know, the momentum of the of his of his body weight and obviously the play in general just carried that toe just to touch the out of bounds. It was that close. Um I don't think anyone could say it was clearly in bounds and I don't think anyone could say he was clearly out of bounds. Um So, I think it was one of those plays where if the refs had caught that a catch, then they wouldn't have overturned it and the refs called it incomplete and they weren't they didn't have enough uh visual evidence to overturn it. So that's um so that's my take on that that play. So I don't really think it's controversial. Um, I think it was called properly either way it went the Eagles direction if it was if it went the other way, I could just tell you right now, as an Eagles fan, I wouldn't be sitting there saying, No, no way. That was definitely out of bounds. I mean, uh, definitely in bounds. You know, um, that was just one of those calls where whatever's judged on the call, they don't have enough visual evidence to overturn it. And that was the case there. Was he in bounds? Was he out of bounds? We don't know. But officially, he was out of bounds. And you could see where his looks like his toe just touched the out of bounds line. Uh, But it was very close, and it was a great throw by uh, Howell. I mean, that was an awesome. He had a guy right in his face, and he still put that right in the basket. And McLaren, of course, made the catch because McLaren just always makes catch against the Eagles. So that's my take on that that big play in overtime. Um, All right, so positives of the game. Okay, positives of the game. Nick Morrow, have to start with him. Now here's a guy who the Eagles cut. <laughs> they released him just before the season started and then brought him back when Nicobe Dean came down. Well fortunately, no one else picked him up. He was outright released. could to sign with anybody. Eagles brought him back when Kobe Dean got injured, brought him back to just a practice squad didn't even give him didn't even put him on the roster. Then once they found out what happened to Dean they was going to be out for an extended period of time, then they brought him up from the practice squad. so but Nick Nicholas Moreau. Had 11 tackles, three tackles for a loss, three sacks, and three quarterback hits. I mean, when was the last time a linebacker of ours had those type of stats? And this is like the second straight game in a row. He played very well last week, too. Um, He seems to be the guy that uh, Sean Desai will send on blitzes. He seems to be the blitzing linebacker. I don't know if he did much of that in Chicago. I didn't watch him play that much in Chicago. Uh, I do know that he was a tackle. He did have some decent amount of tackles for losses and sacks. So maybe um, he was used in that capacity in Chicago, but there's no doubt on this team, Sean Desai uh, uses him as the blitzer and he gets home. I mean, this is the second straight week now, uh, or really since he's been playing where he is, he gets, he gets there. He finds the holes. He's a good blitzer. He really is. He navigates getting through, the line and, you know, and finds the, the gaps where he can get through and get through quickly. Um, so uh, hats off to Nicholas Monroe. He was outside of, of course, Jake Elliott and A.J. Brown. Those are your three stars of the game, really, those three guys. Um, we talked about Blankenship. I thought Blankenship played a really good game again. Um the only thing that I would probably criticize him on is sometimes he just always goes for the ankle dive tackle. He did that last week on a play down the sideline and it cost the Eagles like another ten yards on, on whoever he was trying to tackle. I forget who it was, but it was it was kind of like out in a flat and he kind of came in on a bad angle. I talked about it on the post game, but I forget exactly what, what the play was now. But in this game, on the touchdown run by Robinson junior there, he did it again. Uh, and I don't know if he would have stopped him anyway if he tackled them like normally. He might have, though. I uh, definitely because it happened around a three or four yard line. So but Robinson had a pretty good, pretty good charge coming in. So he might have just still scored. I'm not saying he would have stopped the score, but there's no way he had a chance when he dove at you know Robinson's ankles and and basically missed. And didn't wrap him up. Uh, I'm not sure again if that would have stopped Robinson from scoring. But it was just a bad to me. It was just a bad attempt at a tackle um, by uh, Blankenship. But other than that, he covers well and he played well. And then, of course, you know he um, he made the play there in overtime on uh, like McLaren to uh, just do enough to keep him out of bounds on that on that reception. So, um, you know, thumbs up for Blankenship. And then our other. Linebacker too, Cunningham played a great game. I thought he really had a really good game too. This is this was great linebacking play, and I, you know my thumbs down. I actually have the d- defensive line in the thumbs down. Maybe I shouldn't. It might be a little too critical. I think I'm doing that more because of the pass rush. Now that I think about it, maybe I'll just put thumbs neutral on the defensive line. I just expected to have more sacks, but I think that one of the reasons why they didn't. And I talked about it earlier is uh, Washington did have a quick pass game plan. So Howell. After them, him getting so many sacks last week, they weren't going to allow that to happen again. And they definitely put more of a quick pass play offense in for this game so that, you know, the Eagles really, if they didn't get to him then you know, half a second, then they weren't going to get to him. And that's kind of – so, yeah, maybe I shouldn't be too hard on the defensive line because they really did their job otherwise. They stopped the run. I mean, other than the Robinson touchdown run, which was a good run, they really – Washington didn't run the ball well at all. Um Robinson for the game had 14 carries for 45 yards and a 3.2 average, and his long run was on the touchdown, 15 yards. So, um, Antonio Gibson six carries for 19 yards, 3.2. Eagles are number one in the NFL against the rush, and they did it. They played very well. That was a great play, by the way, the Curtis Samuel run um, inside the five for that they scored a touchdown. That was a great play call. Because, again, the Eagles are very good against the run. Actually, they were on the one-yard line when they made that play. Um, that was a good little play. The Eagles had no way. They were totally – that was the right play to call on that play. Eagles did not account for Samuel at all. It was like an easy walk touchdown for him. Uh, so I think Washington really played – a. you know, I don't know uh, how commanders feel about how they called this game, but I thought the game uh, planned by the uh, Washington – and the execution, especially by Howell, was very, very good. And McLaren just did his thing against the Eagles, too. Um, plus the play, the play call to to get the game into overtime, um, the touchdown to Dotson was a great anticipated play by Howell to get that ball off even before uh even before uh Dotson even had made the turn to even look for the ball. So it was a great a great play because really, even though he was covered, it was just one of those throws um, where there's no way you're going to defend it. It was just a really good play call and executed again by, by the commanders who, uh, who did a lot of good things in this game. Uh, A.J. Brown absolutely torched the rookie cornerback, Forbes. Now, Forbes is a rookie. I'm not going to say the guy's not a good player. But he had no answers for Brown. Brown was absolutely eating him up the entire game. Now, listen, Brown eats up a lot of cornerbacks. so I'm not sitting there and say that Forbes is a bust or anything like that. But he had he was absolutely destroyed and manhandled this game all game long. Uh, you know, Forbes had no answers for Brown. Uh, Brown went off for 175 yards on nine catches, almost a 20 yard average. He had a 59 yard touchdown, of course, and then a, another touchdown later. Uh, just a total dominant performance by Brown. Devonta Smith had another awesome game as well. He 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 plays well consistently every week. He had that huge downfield catch where, once again, he outleaps the defenders. Uh, he did that against Washington last year, the game that I was at. He did it again this year. Uh, it was about a 30, almost a 40-yard catch downfield. Didn't get in the end zone, but but made a lot of really big catches, including – the last catch of the game to set up Jake Elliott's 54-yard uh, game-winning field goal. Um, had he not made that catch on that critical third down play, third and 17 like it was or whatever it was, uh, to just get the Eagles back into field goal range, um, that was Devonta Smith who made that catch. And he just comes up with clutch catches all the time. So, huge, huge hats off to Devontae Smith and A.J. Brown, our two number ones who just absolutely, you know, had the games. And the Eagles needed every single yard and every single catch by those guys today, uh, for sure. Um, And DeAndre Swift. It was funny because I, I mentioned in the pregame podcast to Johnny about how the Eagles might never wrinkle in this and, and throw the ball to Swift more. And it seemed like they threw him more than they did, but they did throw it to him four times. Again, for some reason, I saw, you know, I look back and I'm like, wow, he only had four uh, targets and he caught all four of them. But it was still more than they've done to him all year so far. Um, But they did. They threw to Swift out of the backfield and he made some pretty good catches. And and one of them was a critical third down play that he uh, was able to get a first down. I can't remember if that was an overtime or fourth quarter. I think that might have been also an overtime. Uh, where Swift made a really big play down the sideline on, on a little flat pass. Uh, so yeah, you can see how good he is uh, in the battle of the backfield. Um, so Swift with another great game on the ground. He had 14 carries, 56 yards, uh, four yards per carry, and a touchdown run. Um, so another another good contribution, of course, for Swift. Um, it's funny. The other thing that I mentioned on the pregame podcast was Tress Way and being a good punter. And he picked a bad time to have a bad punt. And that punt that he kicked in overtime, uh, I think it was only – it was less than 40 yards. Uh, he, he did not – it was his worst punt in the game. And uh, set the Eagles up with a good field position there in overtime. So it's funny how – and I mentioned that. I'm like, how, how good – you got that good punter, right? And they do have a good punter. Most of the time he's very good. But he had a bad punt at the wrong time, and that certainly helped uh, – you know, field position is so key, especially in overtime. I mean, that's it's critical then. And uh, Tressway, um, I don't know. It looked like he when I when I looked at the replay, it looked like he thought that it, that kick was going to be blocked. The Eagles did send a lot of pressure and got a couple guys through, and it almost looked like he he was distracted by that a little bit and thought he was going to punt it right in or get blocked because he kind of like half punted it. It was it was uh, at least that's what my well, my take is on it. If you look at it again, it almost looked like he th- was almost expecting that punt to be blocked because the Eagles had like one or two guys that did break through. Um, and uh, he, and it, I think it just got – I think he saw that and it kind of ended up uh, forcing him to uh, – to well, it forced just a bad punt really. Um, Any other thumbs up? All right, thumbs down. I have Slay with thumbs down. It's not like he had a bad game, but McLaren beat him a lot in this game. And, again, I'm not trying to say he got smoked. He didn't give him any big, huge, down-the-field McLaren-type plays. Um, So, again, he wasn't really smoked, but he just was outplayed today. I mean, uh, and maybe it's it's too much to say here, you know, thumbs down on Slay. But you just think that, you know, he's the number one corner, and when you're the number one corner on a team, you expect him to contain at least their number one. And he didn't do that today. Um, you know, McLaren got the better of Slay. Again, he didn't smoke him or burn him, but he made enough big plays against our number one corner where um I'm down a little bit on Slay today. So I know I had the D-line, I already talked about it. I had the D-line, and it's probably unfair. So I'm not I'm gonna take up off of the thumbs down and kind of just do neutral with them. Uh, cause I, they did play the run well and they were getting pressure on how it's not like there was no pressure on him. They just didn't get to him as much as I thought, but they didn't get five sacks. So I, I really shouldn't put him in the thumbs down, you know? And so that's why I, I had him initially, but I'm taking him off. They did have five sacks. They did have pretty consistent pressure on how, um, but most of the sacks came from the linebackers. You know, three of them did. So three out of five came back from from Morrow. So I think that's probably why I was just kind of a little bit down on the D line. I thought that uh, you know Reddick and and uh, you know especially our our tackles Cox and and uh, and Carter and Davis. You know and Sweat of course I thought we would just get you know get to howl more. But again, they had a much quicker passing attack. Uh, plan for this game so I'm probably being too hard I am being too hard on the D-line so um, we'll not we'll put him in a positive or a negative for the game we'll kind of keep it right down the middle Goddard where is Dallas Goddard another game very, very underwhelming for Dallas Goddard um, I, I don't know what to make of it I mean this guy is one of the best tight ends in the league but he's just like non-existent right now in the game plan and in this offense, he was targeted four times today, got two catches for 25 yards. Now, one of the catches was a big big 17-yard catch, a really nice reception, and a great throw by Hertz. who just got it over the uh, – I think it was a linebacker. Um, linebacker safety. I can't remember who was, was covering, But it was a great throw by Hertz, an even better catch by Goddard. But he's just – I don't know, man. Uh, there's plays where he's open, too. There's one – one play early in this game where, again, it was really my only really criticism because otherwise I thought Hurts played a really good game. But Hertz had time and he ran to the right, which he's still doing, not as much, but he's still doing it. And it like, just drives me nuts when he does it because he takes away half the field. And Goddard oftentimes lines up to the left. So a lot of times he's just taking God out of the play. And that's what happened here. So he 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 left the pocket too soon, rolled to the right, and Goddard was wide open. You know, nobody was even covering. He was wide open on the left side, but of course Hertz can't see that because he's too busy scrambling to the right. And so Hertz, it's not like Goddard's not open. I mean, there's going to be a point here coming up. I don't know when. I hope it doesn't happen, because I really think he needs to get the ball more. But it'd be one thing if Goddard's not open, and that's why he's not getting the targets. But he's open. He's open, especially during in the season. He was open a lot. Uh, Hertz was missing him all the time, not even seeing him. Open right down the seams and through the middle. I didn't see that today, but there's plays where he's wide open, and Hertz is not throwing to him. And not that I ever am advocate for players complaining, but I'm telling you, Goddard expects to get the ball way more than he's getting the ball, and he's a good team guy. And he's doing well blocking and all those kind of things. But he needs to get the ball more. If he's not going to say it, I'll say it. The Eagles got to incorporate him into the game plan more. Hurts has got to target him more. Just has to because he's wide open on plays. A lot of space. So, um, you know, I just have question marks. I'm not thumbs down on him. I just have question marks. I'm like, where where is he? Um, But other thumbs down, though. Maialata, I thought, had a rough game. Gave up a sack. Uh, He made a penalty. Um, At least one penalty. He might have had a couple, but at least one bad penalty he had. Um, So Maialata, I thought, did not have – he's played well this year too, but today was not not one of those days. And speaking of penalties, you know, I – I hate blaming the refs. I wish the refs did not become – factors in games. I'm already still ticked off because of the horrible refing last year in a Washington game in Philly. Now the Eagles did not play well that game. They turned the ball over four times. And that's why I'm not saying that Washington didn't deserve to win that game. They outplayed the Eagles that game. But they also got a major gift on the plate that I've mentioned a few times. I mentioned in the pregame um podcast. Um speaking of Goddard as well, you know, their, their Washington linebacker had a full-fledged grip on the face mask of Goddard and dragged him all the way to the ground. For some reason, the three blind mice out there didn't see it at all. And on that play, Goddard ended up being injured. That's beside the point, but, and it was a turnover and Washington ended ended up leading to Washington points. So that that call is still in my head. It was just such a horrible, horrible missed call by the by the zebras in that game. And yet in this game, they go to convert completely opposite and start calling ticky tack pass interference calls or holding, defensive holding calls. Now, the one on Bradbury, when he for about a half a second tugged on a jersey, that one. I'm okay with. I still think it's a little ticky-tack. I think they need to let these guys play a little bit. It didn't impede. I think it was Samuel at all, which I think you have to factor in before you throw a flag. Does it impede him at all for making the catch? The little Jersey tug for half a second, you know, while they're battling. If it does, then you throw the flag. If it doesn't let it go, let them play. And I mean that for both sides. I mean that for both sides. Um, there was a play however on Slay later uh maybe a black f- like series or whatever it was again it was in the first half where Slay barely I don't even think he tugged on a, you know held him at all they were just battling and they called him for defensive holding. Um uh, horrible call. I think that was on McLaren too. It was on McLaren because I remember McLaren laughing at Slay afterwards. I mean, he was probably laughing how shitty of a call it was. And he got away, you know, that they got a gift. So Way too ticky tacky. Yeah, I can't stand games. And again, this is both ends. If the Washington receiver got called for that on an Eagle receiver, I would have said that that's freaking that's a gift by the, you know, should never call those plays. Way too ticky tack, you know. So that's why it's like I'm just further amped because they missed such a blatant face mask, 15 yard face mask penalty that on a turnover last year. And in this game, they decided to call every little ticky tack play they could. It drove me nuts. The other one well, was a complete blunder, was the uh, you know the Eagles brotherly shove play, where yes, there's no doubt that uh, I think it was Dickerson was lined off upside offsides. He had his arm or his hand basically over the football. No doubt he was offsides. But they on this that same exact play, and they had a, obviously a camera close up as they're showing replays. There's like two or three Washington uh, Commanders who have their hands over the ball. They were completely offsides, but they called it an Eagles. <laughs> so I'm like, dude, you guys are calling the penalty on that play. Both of the teams are lined off offsides. It should have been nullifying penalties. And, um, you know, because Eagles had to obviously punt it afterwards because they, they weren't going to be able to go for it on fourth and s- or sixth. So that cost the Eagles when the Washington team had two or three guys with their hands over the ball. Um. I mean, to me, I don't even know how that happens. I mean, that's that's like a fundamental rule in football. I don't know why Washington had their hands over the ball, and I don't know why the Eagles had their hands on the ball. You can't, you just, you can't do that. I mean, it's that's just a fundamental, uh, fundamental, I don't want to call it you know, a rule. It's just, you teach that, you know, and seventh, seven-year-olds know that. You can't line up off sides. So, um Anyway, had to uh, had to mention that. Uh, I just, you know, those type of play penalties uh, and, and such ticky-tack play uh, penalties, I, I can't stand it. it. drives me nuts. It just takes away the enjoyment of the game. It doesn't let these guys play. Let them play. Let them play. All right. Um, by the way, that was a clutch um. Uh, Speaking of the brotherly love, the one that they did in overtime uh, it's such a great play. And there's a lot of teams in the league that try this, especially since the Eagles have made made such, uh, such a successful play. A lot of teams today and around the NFL tried, tried to do this and were not effective. They, they did not get first downs. The Eagles just do it very well. They have the best offensive line in football. They have a quarterback who uh, squats 600 pounds. And it's very hard to stop. It's very hard to stop. And the Eagles did it again in overtime. They had that uh, fourth and one. Might have been almost fourth and a half, one and a half, and they went for it, which is uh, critical because, again, if the Eagles don't make it, Washington gets the ball, and they only need like 15 yards, and they got a shot of a decent field goal attempt Um, because it was right around midfield when they did it. Uh, But the (laughs) Sheriani doesn't have any hesitation calling it because – the Eagles are about ninety-five percent effective running it. They just, they just are never stopped. And Washington has a great defensive line. I mean, if they can't stop it, uh, there's not many teams in the league gonna be able to stop it. And Washington couldn't stop it. Uh, so that was a critical um, brotherly shove play in overtime to get the first down. And then again, you know, set up by the great hands of Devonta Smith, who got uh, just enough yards, got like seven or eight more yards to get, uh, to get Jake in position where he's still kicking a deep field goal. It was still 54 yards. That's no gimme by any stretch, but it beats him having to do like a 61 yarder, you know, which would have been much more tougher. Uh, So he gets Jake, you know, gets, gets Jake in there for a 54 yard attempt. I'm surprised that the, uh, Washington did a call timeout to try to ice him. That was kind of surprising. Just they just let him come out and kick it. Um I don't know. I don't put I don't know. Sometimes I'm not sure about the icing thing. So I've seen it work both ways. I've seen him call that last second timeout, the, the, the kicker kicks it and misses it and then they call the timeout so he gets another chance and kicks it and makes it the next time. And so that's probably what Washington was thinking. Like, just let him, let's see if he can kick it. And uh, decided not to call the timeout. But I've also seen, obviously, when they do ice the kicker and they call the timeout, that split second before they, you know, snap and the kicker kicks it and it makes it and it has to go and re-kick it again and it misses it. I mean, that happens too. So, I don't know. They elected not to kick it or not um, not to call the timeout. And Jake, of course, right down the middle. Just Mister, I mean, I tell you what. Outside of Tucker, because I think Tucker's the best kicker I've ever seen in my entire lifetime, Justin Tucker of the uh, Ravens. But right on his heels is Jake Elliott. I mean, you talk about leg-wise, deep, deep kicks, clutch kicks. uh, It's Jake, you know, and he's much more consistent now. He does not missing. I never put him near Justin Tucker's level until until really this year um so far uh because he's kicked already a 61 yarder he's kicked already this year he's four for five now in field goes over 50 yards and um he just doesn't miss he just doesn't even miss anymore so and then the clutch he makes them all the time like i don't know if he's ever missed a clutch kick yet knock on wood which i just did um he's he's as clutch as they come i mean he really is and in the post game, he mentioned that uh, he uh, welcomes that. Like he really actually looks forward to being the deciding, making those deciding kicks, and that's what you need. You need that mentality. You can't have kickers out there that fear being in that situation. Uh, and it's tough. I mean, you're either the hero or the goat or the. Uh, <laughs> this doesn't make any sense, does it? Uh, you're either the hero or the, uh, or the guy that's going to be blamed for the for the loss. That's that's the life of a kicker. I mean, he can make ten straight field goal kicks and miss one in overtime that cost the game or loses the game. Uh and you know, that's that's the life of an NFL kicker or any kicker for that matter. Uh any field goal kicker. So, bottom line is the Eagles uh get a win, and that's all you want. It's all you want. That's the bottom line at the end of the day, get the W. Doesn't matter how you get it done. Get the W. I didn't think this game would be this, this tough, but it was, it doesn't surprise me that it was because it's an NFC East game. And so, and Washington does always seem to play the Eagles well. So I really shouldn't be shocked that Washington really hung in there today, but I was, I just, I thought the Eagles were going to win this game by close to 10 points, if not more. Um, and uh, you know, they really did have about a 10 point lead, at, you know, second half for a while. But Washington came back to their credit and made it a game, got it to overtime, and uh, and Eagles were able to uh, to just and narrowly uh, you know get that get that victory to, to remain four and zero. And next week they head into uh, go on the road against the Rams team that I still have no clue um, how to uh, get a sense of the Rams and who they are, and who they aren't. The Rams are just, you know, they won again today, or they won today. Uh, and they're – I don't know, man. I still don't have a sense. I'm going to obviously do a lot more work on them this week to try to figure out if I can just get a better sense of that game. And, um, you know, any game on the road is always going to be tough. So that goes without saying. But the Rams are just one of those teams when even when I did the pre – I made it a note to say it. When I did the uh, preseason predictions and went through each game – and predicted, I was like, this game is the hardest one on the board for me to predict. Like, I just don't know what to make of the Rams. I don't know. I still don't really know what to make of the Rams. Although I have to say, maybe I got a little bit better. I think they are a little bit better than I thought they were. So maybe I'm getting a little bit better sense of them already. But that's still just, uh, man, I just, I don't know. I have to do some more research on them. And, and we'll talk about them, of course, during the, uh, the pregame podcast later this week so make sure you tune in for that again hey the eagles get a victory against the nfc east that's obviously always good the division is going to be huge to win this year for any super bowl aspirations eagles have they're going to have to win the nfc east there's no question about that and uh, you know, give the Commanders credit. You know, let's hope that they knock off the Giants and the uh, and the Cowboys this year. I think they definitely have a chance to do that. Anyway, that being said, thank you again for tuning in. Make sure you like, subscribe, share, and come back for the preview show against the Rams. Until next time, fly goes fly. We're four zero. Take care, everybody. Talk to you soon.